trying to feel the same old holes inside there's a better life there's a better life if you got pain he's a pain taker if you feel lost he's a way maker if you need freedom or save it Shaking Savior, if you got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day and dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. And we've all run to things we know just ain't right. There's a better life, there's a better life, if you got pain, he's a pain taker, if you feel lost, he's a way maker, if you need freedom, the savior, he's a prison shaking savior, if you 
this morning saw a world full of trouble now I thought how do we ever get so far down and how's it ever gonna turn around so I turned my eyes to heaven I thought God why don't you do something well I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty children sold into slavery the thought disgusted me so I shook my fist at heaven I said God why don't you do something
Good morning, church. Welcome. Stand and let's lift our voices together and worship. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more to me. And every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right. But that's all right. Cause I hear a voice and he calls me redeemed. When others say I'll never be enough. And greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world. In the world. In the world. And greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world. Bring your doubts and bring your fears. Bring your hurt and bring your tears. There'll be no condemnation
Well, good morning, everyone. Y'all are a very friendly bunch this morning. I want to encourage you to continue those conversations after the service. I always feel bad getting up here because I always feel like I cut off the conversation. So if you started one and didn't get to finish, please finish it after the service. I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, glad you guys are here this morning. My name is Chris DeCaney. I'm one of the elders here at the church. And we've got just a few announcements for you, but I wanted to say welcome, welcome, welcome. The first thing is that if you are visiting with us, maybe the first or second time, we have a simple request in the seat back in front of you. There should be a card that says hello. Uh, it has a QR code on one side of it. We are the request is this. If you would please let us know that you were here by filling out that card. It's just a little bit of information, email, name. We are not going to spam you, but we do want to know that you were here, and we do want to know how your experience was. Um, can we make things better? Can we connect with you? Are there ways that you could connect with us? So please, if you wouldn't mind filling that out, and if you do, there's a basket in the back, and you can drop it in the back. If you can't find the basket for any reason, find me. I'm, I'll be the tall guy standing in the back. Um, so please do that. For all y'all, that card is a great place for prayer requests, and please know that we pray for y'all all the time. Uh, it's an honor to get to pray for you. Uh, and so we want to do that. So if you have prayer requests, all y'all put, put your prayer requests on there and same, you can drop the card in the back or hand it to me and I'll be happy to take that. All right. So I wasn't sure how to say this because it's a touchy subject. So I'm going to go this way. So I'm excited that the summer's over and the first sign yesterday was college football. Right? Yes. So that's, that's just a great sign that summer's over. Another one is that school starts tomorrow, right? Yeah, right. A lot of parents. That was parents clapping, by the way. All right. So in light of that, if you are a sixth grader through 12th grader, as we're about to start into the new school year, we're going to start off our new uh, youth group year this afternoon. So you are cordially invited, sixth grade through 12th grade, to join us from one to three. This is going to be up at our North Chatham campus. We are going to have a cookout, games, fun. This is actually not just for the students, but also parents. You're invited to be part of this as well. We're going to have a cookout, games, fun, and then parents versus students, games, and other things. So this is a great time, parents, to really show the students what's going on, right? So I want to invite you guys to be a part of that. Come on out there, join us. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a fun time to kick off, get to meet some other um, students, perhaps your age, perhaps you're going to school with them, but also get to meet the youth group leaders and just get to find out what's going on this fall with our youth group. So I want to encourage you guys to do that. The next thing is uh, Harbor Women's Ministry kicks off uh, September 13th. Um, they're going to start a Beth Moore study called Living Beyond Yourself, Exploring the Fruits of the Spirit. Uh, this group meets weekly on Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. And if you have any questions, uh, you can contact uh, harbor at chathamchurch.org. There is child care if needed, but they would like to know ahead of time so they can make sure that they provide the, that child care. So, uh, ladies, we want to encourage you, please take part in this. I can tell you I've been up here when, when the leaders are meeting, and they are excited about this fall. And so I want to encourage you, ladies, to please take advantage of this if you can. It's a wonderful place to, to uh, learn more about yourself, learn more about God, um, develop your relationship with God, and develop your relationship with, with others here at the church and get involved. So I want to encourage you guys encourage y'all to do that as well. We have a financial piece uh, sneak preview this afternoon. 
uh, at noon at the North Chatham campus. So it'll be right after we finish church here. You can head up to the North Chatham campus. If you're interested in learning about what financial peace is or you're interested in uh, budgeting and working with your money and how to make your money work for you, those sorts of things, it's a great uh, opportunity to learn more about that. So again, it's going to be at noon at our North Chatham campus. Um, you can RSVP if you have time at RSVP at ChathamChurch.org. Uh, otherwise, uh, head up there and take advantage of that class. Finally, uh, I just want to thank all of y'all who give to Chatham Community Church. Um, y'all are so generous, uh, and it is, it's amazing the things that we can do as a church because of how generous y'all are. So I just want to thank you for that as part of the leadership. I also want to encourage you to continue to give, um, which isn't always a fun thing to talk about, but please continue to give. Continue to be generous because we've done, been able to do amazing things, help amazing people here in this, in this county. If you're visiting with us, please feel no obligation to give it all. But if you consider Chatham Church your home, we encourage you all to, to please give. We have two ways to do that. You can drop your offering off in the back. We have an offering box in the back. Or you can give online. And if you haven't started doing that, you can go to our website, and, and our website will help you uh, figure that out. But again, thank you all so much for your generosity. All right, so one last thing is fourth and fifth graders, if you are in here, now is time to head to that side door, and you can head off to Chatham Kids. Your teacher is waiting for you. Have a wonderful, wonderful morning. And then with that, I will turn it over for the worship team. Would y'all please stand and sing with us? See, my God is the theme of my song, the joy of my heart, the boast of my tongue, thy free grace alone from the first to the last hath won my affections and bound my Just as mine. Hallelujah. 
Jaira, the great provider, and you will always be enough. You are worthy, God, of every praise we bring before you, and we worship you, Father, for you are holy, and you will always be there. It is not our job to worry about things of this world, but to focus on you, God, to glorify you. We thank you, Father, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. And I want to invite you to hear this word from the scriptures. This is a reading from Luke 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. 
Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Chatham Community Church once again. My name is Jaime, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you are a guest, whether it's your first time or your first time in a long time, so glad that you're here. Uh, uh, I do hope that uh, at the end of the service, I get a chance to say hi to you. I'm going to be in the going to be just outside our door, so come and say hi. I'd love to hear your name. Good. Okay. Um, say, I'd love to hear your name, how you found us, and what your experience was like this morning. And uh, even though our ushers and greeting team are fantastic about this, if you happen to sneak by and didn't get one of our welcome gifts, make sure that on your way out you grab one. It's a great way to hear a little bit more about us, but also to find out a little bit more about how you can get involved and also to uh, bless the community through receiving one of the gifts uh, from local vendors that we purchase and put in those bags. Uh, one of the things that we'll do just before we finish this service is we're going to have an opportunity to bring in our students from Chatham Kids and bless them and our high school students who are in the room. And then we're going to uh, have a chance to bless teachers and other folks who work uh, in education as most of them head towards their first week of classes this week. And, you know, as, 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 I, was, as I was thinking about that and thinking about that opportunity, I couldn't help but remember what my life was like at this time of the year many, 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 well, maybe not that many, years ago. <laughs> As, uh, as the first week of school was uh, approaching, I, I remember that for whatever reason, always like in those last weeks just before school, there was always one or two things that needed to be bought, needed to be purchased, and I think that was true for all my classmates. Some of it was school supplies, you need to make sure we stocked back up on notebooks, pencils, and pens. Some of it was clothing, make sure you know, that we had uh, things that fit us mostly uh, by, school, by the time school started. Um, I went to a school for most of my life that was a private school, so we had uniforms. So there wasn't a lot of liberty to sort of show flair or style with our shirts or with our pants, but the place to show off flair and style for everyone was with shoes, because we had some freedom in what shoes to wear. And it was always exciting to see in those first, first weeks of school uh, what, what new stuff people had and what new shoes people were wearing. And one year, I remember that the thing to have for, for school starting was light-up sneakers, Light-up sneakers was the thing to have. Uh, and so uh, imagine what it was like when that first day came, right? Imagine you, you could tell who had the light-up sneakers because they lit up. And you could see people gathering around them, sort of ooing and eyeing and bringing that kind of, this is so cool energy that only kids uh, can bring in their unique way. And those that had them had folks gathered around them. And those of us that couldn't afford it or had gone with another cool sneaker were kind of left either in the crowd ooing and eyeing, or wondering if anyone was going to say something about our new Reeboks or Nikes or whatever brand Payless happened to be carrying at that time. <laughs> that back to school, who has the cool new thing uh, vibe is one of the earlier instances of a dynamic that we see play out throughout most of our lives, which is that stuff oftentimes equals status. The kind of stuff that we have generates a level of status. And the problem is it's a really short jump from stuff equals status to stuff equals personal value or worth. But that short jump, short as it is, is one that weakens us at our core. It weakens our core sense of self. And it is a precipice when it comes to inner strength and resilience to meet the challenges that, life's, that life brings upon us. And the reason why is because it's just not true. Stuff does not equal personal value. Stuff does not equal worth. This is the second week of a series that we've titled Inner Strength, Building a Resilient Core. 
And what we're going to do during this series is we're going to focus on the things that the ancient scriptures, known as the Bible, tell us about our value as individuals and our value as a community, our values as community. They, we're going to talk about the things that are true about us that set us up to live resilient lives, lives that meet the challenges that come in life. And challenges aren't just like negative things. They're the kind of challenges sometimes that we call upon ourselves, the new job or, or sort of the, the new adventure or the new dream or the thing we want to take on to grow and develop, the kind of things that Scripture tells us are true about us and about our community set us up to meet those challenges with resilience. We'll be building a resilient core as individuals within a resilient community so together we can be a resilient people so that people can see and we can model that there is a different way to live. For the first three weeks of this series, so last week, this week, and the following one, we'll be addressing some of the most common lies that we believe about ourselves. Each of these lies has a part of it that's alluring because it has a grain of truth to it, but ultimately, they all weaken our core and undermine us as individuals. Today, we're going to be looking at what, as an umbrella term, is called the lie of control. And it manifests itself in a number of different ways. Today, we're going to focus on the way it manifests itself in accumulation, having more and more and more and more. And here's what it tells us. It tells us that our value is based on what we have or what we possess. That is the lie of control or accumulation. I am what I have, whether it's stuff or control or power or agency. And therefore, the more I have, the more I am, the more value I have. Now, it might be easy to scoff at it when you hear it like that. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But take a beat and think. Think about your life. Think about the lives of those around you. You'll likely find that whether in small or large ways, that lie shapes how we think about others. It shapes how we function in society. It may even shape how we think about ourselves, and it certainly shapes some of the purchasing decisions that we make. And here's the thing, it isn't true. It isn't true. While it may be true that having stuff, having stuff, or gaining a measure of control or agency provides us with something. It provides us with security. It may provide us with agency. It may provide us with options. It is a shaky foundation for a sense of self-worth, for a sense of value, for a sense of identity. And buying into something that's not true, especially about something so essential as our sense of worth, our value, our identity, is costly. Author and speaker Rob Reamer has said, whatever you agree with, you give power to in your life. If you agree with the truth, the truth will set you free. He's borrowing Jesus' words there. If you agree with lies, then lies will enslave you. The stakes are high, folks. We can face all that life is going to bring and all that we're going to invite from life while bound and trapped to lies, or we can face it with the strength and resilience that comes from living in the truth. And the truth of who God made us, how God made us, and how God invited us to be in community. The story that Hillary read for us shows Jesus illustrating that turn from having stuff to having a life that revolves around stuff. Jesus has been teaching to a large crowd, and out of the crowd, someone cries out for Jesus to resolve a dispute that has to do with stuff. 
Now, we don't know all of the particulars of that individual situation, and we don't know if the story Jesus is telling is meant to address that person in particular, or if he's just taking advantage of that, that, that dispute to make a general point, but he does. He zooms out to a big picture issue, and it's a big picture issue that's been persistently applicable across cultures, around the world, and throughout generations, throughout all time. And he says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Watch out for the insatiable hunger for more. Watch out for the insatiable hunger for more. Though we often associate greed with money or possessions or stuff, we can be insatiably hungry for lots of things. Yes, we can be insatiably hungry for stuff. Yes, we can be insatiably hungry for money, but we can also be insatiably hungry for power. We can be insatiably hungry for status. We can be insatiably hungry for recognition. We can be insatiably hungry for approval. We can be insatiably hungry for attention. We can be insatiably hungry for so much more. And Jesus says, watch out for all kinds of greed. For all kinds of greed. When I was in high school, I moved from that private school to a boarding school. And as part of living together, one of the things we had to do as students was clean our residences. We had common areas that individual dorms took turns cleaning, and we would clean at the end of the day. But one week when it was not my room's turn to clean the bathroom, one of my roommates and I happened to walk into the bathroom, and the bathroom was just flooded. He was a senior, I was a freshman at that time, and so he went, he grabbed a mop from the cleaning closet, handed it to me, and we spent our lunch hour mopping up the bathroom. And when we were done, I was like, man, we did such a great job, and he said, we did, but don't say anything to anyone. Let's just let that stay between us. Uh, don't say anything to our resident advisors, sort of the adults that, uh, that took care of us at night. And as soon as he said that, I said, sure, but in my head was like, oh, I wonder what they would say if they found out that I did this. And it just needled at me all day long. So come evening time, when everyone was cleaning, when we had just started, I left my room. Remember, it wasn't my room's turn to clean the bathroom. And I went to the common bathroom, and I just moseyed on up to the teacher casually. And I, and I, and I said to him, oh, you know, we're just starting cleaning, but the bathroom looks pretty good, right? And he was like, yeah. He's like, that's because uh, uh, my buddy and I mopped it during lunchtime. And he just looked at me, and I knew that I had lost it. I had lost it. But what was happening there was a manifestation of a hunger I had for applause, for approval, for recognition. And I chased it. I chased it. Because even though I had what I had, even though I'd done what I'd done, even though my friend had seen what I had done and appreciated that I had been part of it, it just wasn't enough. I needed a little bit more. The fact that more money or stuff is not something some of us might crave doesn't mean we are impervious to greed. So take a moment and consider, what are you consistently grasping for more of? What do you routinely find yourself grasping for more of? What do you seem to always have a sense that there's not enough, that enough is just always out of reach? then enough is always just a little bit more, just a little bit more approval, just a little bit more attention, just a little bit more affirmation, just a little bit more applause, just a little bit more recognition. 
Now, if it happens to be something other than money or stuff, I want to invite you to not check out. Because even though the story Jesus tells focuses on stuff, the principles are applicable. So though you may need to do some translating into your own context, the principles are there. This one is so important that Jesus doesn't just tell a story and let them figure out what's going on. He actually provides a couple of summary statements because he wants to make sure that they get it. And by including it in scripture, it communicates that God wants to make sure we get it. So he starts with a part that we already read, and he continues with, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And if possessions is not your thing, then fill that in with whatever is your thing. Life does not consist in the abundance of blank. Now, that doesn't mean that possessions don't matter. It doesn't mean that they have no use. But we live in a world where everything can easily turn into being all about having and having more and having more, and having just a little bit more. So let me speak this over us, because this might be the only time we hear something like this all week long, and we may need to hear it more often. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. There is so much more. Jesus illustrates that by telling the story that Hillary read for us. A man owns a farm. We're told he's rich, which is meant to communicate that his needs are met, that he likely has surplus, and that he probably has people either working for or with him on the farm. He has more than enough. In one season, the harvest isn't just good, it is overly abundant. It was likely more than he had ever seen before in his farming career, It's likely more than he expected, likely more than he had prepared for. Maybe it was even more than what he thought he could sell at market. It was so much. So what did he do? He turns inward in order to decide what to do with the abundance. And as he turns inward, he notices that even though he has barns, he has places to store stuff, the barns aren't big enough to store the stuff that he's got. So again, seeing that, he turns inward. And he decides to tear down those barns so he can build bigger ones. And then he imagines that once those barns are built, and once that abundance is stored, he'll be able to stop farming. He'll be able to not work another day. He'll be able to use the excess as time passes and just live a leisurely life. But then God speaks to him because he's got no time left this side of heaven. There will be no time for that. And now there's no telling what's going to happen to all that excess. It may end up going to waste. Now hear me, the problem wasn't that he built barns. Building barns is not the problem. The problem was how he came to that idea and what it implied. At every turn in the story, the man turns to himself. The man turns inward at every turn in the story. Notice, for example, that God is absent from the story up until the very end when God speaks. Now, in their culture, the connection between God and agriculture, God and the land, God and what it produced, was strong and clear. These people had festivals, they had holy days that had to do with agriculture, that had to do with the harvest, that had to do with provision. God was the only one who could make things grow. 
You might imagine that in lean years, he would be there asking God for blessing, asking God to make sure that the ground provided enough so that he could get by and make it another year. But when the ground yielded a more abundant harvest than he'd ever had, there's not even a a, a sense of thanksgiving, an offering, a prayer. And when he needs to decide what to do with this abundance, there's no turning to God for wisdom. There's no attending to the temple. There's no engagement with anything outside of himself. He turns to himself. Also missing from the story is anyone else. The man does not exist in isolation. He is part of a community that depends on what he's doing as a farmer. They may depend on the food that comes from the ground for their necessities. The people who work for him may depend on having a job, on being employed. In addition, if he's a faithful Jew, then the people who happen to be in need would depend on having access to his land so that after, the, the, after things had been harvested, they'd be able to come and glean what was left, which was one of the laws in Jewish culture. He would leave so that people could come by and pick what was left so the poorest of the poor could have something to eat. All of that would be lost if he decides to opt out, if he decides to stop farming, if he decides to just live off the excess. Lastly, there's no intentionality on what to do with the abundance other than to store it and live off of it. Even if his life didn't end on that night, it seems that his plan is to either live long enough to see the stuff run out and he's going to have to figure out what to do, or, or who cares what happens to the excess? Who cares what happens to what's left when he dies? That's wasteful. That's wasteful of something that had been provided for him. And I would imagine as a successful farmer, it was counter to the pattern he had created for his life. Friends, the problem wasn't building bigger, wasn't building bigger barns. It was that building bigger barns was an outworking of a life that got centered around himself and his stuff and the fact that he had lots of it. When building bigger barns enables us to remove God, community, and purpose from the picture of a life well-lived, we've likely fallen into the lie of accumulation and control. When building bigger barns enables us to remove God, community, and purpose from the picture of a life well-lived, we've likely fallen into the lie of accumulation and control. Now hear me say there is nothing wrong with saving. There is nothing wrong with retiring from the nine to five as long as it is part of a picture of a life well-lived that includes God, that includes community, that includes purpose or intentionality. The man in the story had experienced the peak of productivity. And what he thought was, I have arrived. This is it. This is the best that it's going to get. I am at my peak, and now I get to kick back and live off of that. The bigger barn would tell everyone who he was. The bigger barn would tell everyone how successful he was. Not having to work anymore would tell everyone how important he was, how blessed he was. But that is a lie. The abundant crop didn't say anything more about his value than the years of scarcity did, assuming he had some. I was just as valuable in my knockoff Payless sneakers as my friends were in their light-ups. And I'm just as valuable now that I wear Brooks running shoes. We are valuable when we're babies and have very little agency. 
And we're just as valuable as we acquire agency and power and ability to do things as, as we grow. We were as valuable when we didn't know what an IRA was as we are when we hit some of those retirement goals. We were valuable and we are valuable if we declare bankruptcy and we're as valuable if we become millionaires. We are valuable. We are valuable. The truth is this. We've had immeasurable value since before we ever possessed a single thing or had any measure of control or agency over anything. We've been immeasurably valuable. I said this last week, and I'll say it again. I'll likely say it next week. The issue of our value was established at creation when we were made in God's image and likeness. We were valuable then. The issue of our value was settled at the cross when while we were yet sinners, before we did anything good, Christ died for us. The issue of our value will be reaffirmed in the last things when we get to enjoy in the inheritance with Christ and be in glory with him. We are valuable enough because God says so, because God made us, because God saved us, because God has something for us for eternity. The issue of our value does not depend on how much we have, whether of stuff or of recognition or of agency, or of control. And this truth, that we've had immeasurable value since before we had, we had possessed a single thing or had an ounce of control, this truth positions us to respond to whatever we end up receiving in life, whether it's stuff, or money, or agency, or influence. Because ultimately, we always have a choice about what to do with all of that. We can respond to what we receive with thanksgiving, generosity, and intentionality, or with entitlement, hoarding, and purposelessness. The latter is what the fool does. The former is what we're called to. The lie of accumulation is going to make it difficult for us to respond with thanksgiving, generosity, and intentionality. We may get one of the three sometimes. We may get two out of the three sometimes. Once in a while, we may get all three, but it will consistently work against us. However, the truth of our value in Christ will free us from the latter. It will free us from entitlement, hoarding, and purposelessness. It's designed for that. We may need to grow in it, we may need to grow in it, but it will free us from that. A number of weeks ago, uh, my mom came to visit. And as part of her time with me, uh, she asked if uh, she could cook anything for me. My mom's an excellent cook. I love my mom's uh, home cooking. Uh, but the thing is, I've not lived with her for a very, very long time. So I've kind of learned how to cook everything that she uh, makes and I enjoy because otherwise I'd go years without having it. But the one thing I'd never, never, never learned how to cook that she makes and I love is apple pie. So when she was here, I said, instead of you making me a meal, how about we make apple pie together? And she loved that idea, and we got to it. Uh, and I love my mom's apple pie in part because growing up, uh, we didn't have an oven for most of my life, so I've had it very few times compared to everything else. But every time I smell it in the kitchen, every time uh, she made it, it was a delight. So we made two apple pies. We made one that we took to share with some friends that she made in our community because y'all are awesome. And in the little short time she was here, she made friends, and I love y'all for that. Thank you for welcoming her well. Uh, and we, we made one for me to keep. Now, there are two things to know about me as you hear that I kept one apple pie. One is 
I have the habit of eating treats very slowly. I will make a candy bar last a week. I'm not talking about a king-size candy bar. I'm talking regular-size candy bar. I will eat a bite a day of a candy bar just to make it last. Part of that is because I grew up with few resources, so when I got a treat, there was no other treat if I finished that one. So I learned to make things last. So I stretched things out. The second thing is that because of the changes I had to make earlier this year in order to get and stay healthy, I'm eating even fewer treats. I'm eating less and less sugar. So I've got a full pie in my fridge. And I think to myself, I'll eat this slowly and I'll enjoy this special treat. Did I share with my coworkers? No. In fact, I avoided even mentioning that I had an apple pie from my mom in the fridge. Did weeks go by? Yes. One day, I finally thought, you know what, it's been a while. I need to have another piece of this apple pie, and maybe it's time to share it. It was a month after we had made it, and the pie had colors on it that it did not have when we originally made it. <laughs> More than a quarter of the pie was lost. It seems silly. But I know that one of the reasons I kept it was because it was, to me, it was a sign not just of my mom's love for me, but it was a sign of importance that I had this special treat just for me. And I didn't want that to end, and I didn't want to share it. There's the lie of accumulation, the lie of stuff. It's a small thing, but I still had to deal with it. I dealt with it and am dealing with it because I don't want it to become a bigger thing. That's what I want to invite us to do today. I want to invite us to deal with the things. Oh, there's a picture of another thing. That's not the apple pie, but there you go. That's yummy. Um, <laughs> here's what I want us to do today. I want us to reflect on the places where we might be giving in to the lie of accumulation or the lie of control in whatever way it might manifest in your life and in my life. First thing I want you to do is just spend a moment. Consider if there are places where you have believed the lie of accumulation and control. Are there places where you are living out that the more you have of something, the more valuable you are, the more important you are, the more worth you have? I'm just going to give you a few seconds to consider. Because the first step to getting rid of this lie is to recognize that we're believing it. It may not be in every area of your life. It may just be in one area. It may not seem like a huge thing, but it's a thing that you can have freedom from today because it's a thing that's going to erode your ability to be resilient. So identify where may we have believed the lie of accumulation and control. Once we recognize that we're believing a lie, the next step is to renounce that lie. So right there where you are, what, and you can put whatever the lie is or whatever it sounds like in your own life, renounce it. Say something like, I renounce and reject the lie that says that I'm valuable because of what I have or control. And if you've identified a particular thing, maybe the lie that says that I'm valuable the more recognition I have or the better prepared I am for my retirement or the more the kids tell me that they love me or the more greatest teacher in the world awards I get. Whatever it is, the more A's I get. The more gold stars my teacher puts on the charts. Do they still do that? The more gold stars the teacher puts on my charts. After we've renounced, it's not enough to simply not believe the lie. There is a truth to believe. Replace it with the truth. 
Say this over and over again for yourself. I believe that my value is securely established by God's love for me. Because that's where it originates, in God's love for us. Spend some time right there where you are, replacing that lie. We've got one more step. So take a moment and sit with that truth. You are loved. You are loved. Regardless of what you have, regardless of what you gain, regardless of what you lose, we talked about this last week, regardless of what you do or don't do, you are loved. And that establishes your value. And Jesus summarizes the story. The call he makes is to be rich towards God. In fact, that's the thing that he says is missing in the rich man's story, that he's not rich towards God. It's the way I think he summarizes this idea of deciding what to do with what you have out of a sense of value and worth, a way that includes God, includes the community, includes purpose. Being rich towards God comes out of a secure sense of value and worth because out of that, we can take all that we have received and steward it with thanksgiving, steward it in community, steward it with purpose and intentionality. So the last step is to resolve. How will you be rich toward God this week? How will you be rich? How will you steward your influence, your resources, your relationships, your energy, whatever you have, whatever's been given to you, whatever you've been blessed with, how will you steward it this week? with thanksgiving, generosity, and intentionality. Identify one way that you can be rich toward God. and Live into that. Live into the freedom that comes when our value is secure in Him. Let me pray for us. Gracious God, thank you that the issue of our value was established at creation, settled at the cross, and reaffirmed at the last things. Thank you that it doesn't depend on how much we have, on whether we make wise investment decisions, that it doesn't depend on whether we got the high-paying job or the promotion. It doesn't depend on uh, whether people see or we get recognition and acclaim. Thank you, Lord, that our value is steadfast. It is steadfast. It is unshakable. It is unbreakable. Thank you, God, because having that Validity in our core sets us up to live resilient lives, sets us up to meet the challenges, sets us up to steward the blessings that you give, have given, and will give. Lord, this week, show us how to be rich toward you. Show us the broad picture of what it can look like in our lives. Show us how each of us have the capacity to be rich toward you. Lord, would we hear stories of the way your riches are being manifested in Chatham County and wherever we happen to find ourselves this week because people have made the decision to be rich toward you. May we hear the stories of the way that blesses others. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and join in worship? Worthy 
you can have a seat for just a second because we're going to do what I said we would do at the start of the sermon. Um, school is about to start for many uh, people this week. Some of you have already started. Blessings on you. Uh, but we want to take this time to uh, bless students and teachers. We're going to start with students. So I believe we have students just outside these doors. So no, do we? Yes, let's let them in. All right, come on. Come on down. Yeah, it's bring the students in here. Yeah, you got kids, come on down here, right in the front. Right here, right here, right here. And if you are here in the room and you are a student, would you stand also? You can stay where you are, but would you stand? Uh, if you are a high school student or a middle school student, uh, we've got some gifts for you. If you happen to be in Chatham, keep going, keep coming, keep coming. Uh, if you happen to be in Chatham Kids, your gift will be in your classroom when you go back. Uh, we want to make sure we get you something to bless you. Just right there. Uh, and so here's what I want us to do. Uh, if you are happen to be near one of the students who's standing in the room, would you just extend your hands towards them? And for the rest of us, we extend our hands toward the front, uh, towards our student. And um, we'll just wait here for just a sec. And the rest of you, don't worry, we'll get to you uh, just after we pray. So don't worry about it. We'll get to you. Um, let's extend a prayer uh, of blessing here. Let's bless our students. Uh, gracious God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for these children. Thank you, Lord, um, for the ways we already see them blessing our community. Thank you, Lord, for the joy in which they learn in Chatham Kids. Thank you, Lord, for the ways that they've invited friends and families have come to church because, because these kids are here. Lord, as they head back to school or some of them have already started, I pray you bless them uh, with good friendships, with healthy friendships. Lord, that they would be influenced well by the people around them and that they would influence well as well, Lord. Father, I pray that they would learn well, Lord, that you would give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you want them to learn, Lord. And whatever, whatever is not worth retaining, would it be forgotten, Lord? But whatever would help them grow, and mature into people who benefit our society and benefit the world, Lord, may they learn it and retain it. Lord, we pray your protection. We pray your guidance. And we pray, Lord, that as they continue to develop, they would continue to walk faithfully and joyfully with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, kids, you stay there for just a second. Uh, if you happen to be a high school kid or standing in the room, you can sit down. Uh, would we, I, I want to invite now teachers or educators uh, folks who are connected to the education system to stand up. We want to pray for you also. Yeah, yeah, we've got a few there in the room. Uh, we've got a gift for you also, so we'll get that to you. Here we come. We're coming, running down to get you your gift. And uh, we'll do the same thing. Extend your hand towards these people. Wow, they're all clustered in one section. Look at that. <laughs> Did y'all plan that? That's wonderful. All right, so we extend our hands. Uh, kids, what we're doing when we're extending our hands is this is all the good wishes we have for our teachers. That's what we're projecting out. That's what we're sending out. It's all the good things that we want for our teachers, our homeroom teachers, our coaches, our principals and vice principals, because we want only good things for them. Uh, let's pray blessings for them now. Gracious God, thank you. Because these are folks that you've called to walk alongside uh, not just the kids of our church, but the kids of the community, the kids of the county. Lord, they are a vital part of forming our future leaders. 
Lord, would you bless them with wisdom? Lord, there are ways in which the system can get thorny at times. Would you give them guidance on how to proceed, how to navigate that in ways that honor you and also contribute to blessing? Lord, for themselves, for their colleagues, for their students, would they be light? Would they be people who bless with their words and with their actions? And Lord, in the moments where it gets tiring, where it gets exhausting, where they feel weary, would you renew them and give them peace? We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, kids, you can go back to your classroom now. Uh, we'll go back out the same way you came. And uh, for the rest of us, would you stand for our final blessing? Go ahead, kids. Go ahead, kids. Go ahead, kids. Thank you, Chatham Kids teachers. That was great. Well done. All right. So the last thing before I pray, two things. One is if you... if your kids happen to be among those, you need, don't forget to go pick them up. Go pick them up on your way out. And uh, come say hi. I'll be outside the doors just at the end of the service. Let's pray a blessing. This week, may we be people who are rich in you. May we be rich in you. May we go with strength, knowing that our identity is secure, knowing that our value is secure. May we go with purpose. May we go with open hands of generosity. May we go with joy. May we go with peace, the peace of knowing that you guard our hearts and our minds and are with us. Let us go in the power and presence of God. Amen, amen, amen.